Waking up from their bedtime stories, Jack and Josh run afoul of the long arm of the law in the form of Paul Blart Mulcop. This is Truly Happily Madison. Oh, hi. God, I wasn't expecting <laughs> you. <laughs> what are you doing here oh, at this podcast that we share together I... week in, week out, forever? Forever and ever and ever. Until there are no more <laughs> earnest movies left. No, it's my turn. <laughs> um, what if they make a new earnest movie? Like, they re- like they recast earnest. What, they fucking resurrect him? No, they get a new earnest. Like, who would be no. the modern day earnest? Um, Channing Tatum. Norm Macdonald. No. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how excited I would be if they announced this week that Norm Macdonald is taking on the long-missed role of Ernest P. Worrell? Too excited, buddy. I'd like Timothée Chalamet to give it a go. That would be interesting. Faux show. I reckon he could do it. No, he couldn't. He can't do anything. No, he's <laughs> alright. He's great. He's alright. In those two roles. He's 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 good as floppy hair boy. Yeah, um, does it very well. How are you doing, buddy? I'm okay. I'm okay. You know, I'm just vibing on. I think it's it's been a while that actually I think this is the first time that we've we've got to a film that you've seen that I haven't seen. So it's very exciting yes. for me. It's nice to be like in the in the passenger seat almost, like a virgin for the very first time. Yeah. How are you, Josh? Yeah, okay. I mean, you know, it's just endless, isn't it? It's just endless. It's, it's, it, yeah. It's going also, on. yeah, this this uh, this weekend has seemed emptier than most, specifically because normally I'll watch the film on the Sunday because, you know, it gives you something to do, something to look forward to. But I watched it on Friday night and realised immediately after that was the sum total of my plans for this weekend. So the whole rest of it has just been an abyss. So that's nice. <laughs> Well, I, <laughs> I watched the movie on Sunday. Oh, good for you. Oh, so it's really fresh for you. Yeah, I, I mm. woke up this morning and the first thing... Well, second thing I did. <laughs> first thing I did was watch two episodes of the animated series The Mighty Ducks. Oh. Um, and then yeah. the second thing I did was watch this movie. This movie being Paul Blart Mobcop. Pop Lob Mobcop. We're finally here. Well, we're not... We're not... Um, we're not... <sighs> discussing this alone uh. no we are um, we're joined by by a man of blart expectations himself <laughs> podcaster and all-around misanthrope ben phillips misanthrope is that really <laughs> the first word you think when you think of me yes <laughs> well no podcaster okay. is the first <laughs> word i said yeah po- i suppose podcaster that is yeah. true that's true even though i've not podcasted now in like three months like we're on a, a hiatus because Welcome of back. mental you know. health issues oh. but you know it's like you know soldiers they don't have to be in war to still be soldiers this is true I'm, I'm... podcasters yeah. it's an innate ability i've been pulled back even in when you're happy you can be a misanthrope <laughs> 
Oh, Ben Phillips, welcome to the show. Why not? Why not tell us a bit about the podcast that you're on? That's not all at the moment. Uh, podcast I'm on. <laughs> like we we have a very myriad of names. It's on the Real World Network at the moment. We're kind of focusing on there will be movies, which is our like annual trip down through various decades. We've done the 2000s. We've done the 2010s. Uh, we're hoping to kick off July looking at 25 of our favourite movies from the 90s. Expect some weird picks in there. I'm going to be fighting hard for us to cover Babe at some point, which is a, a, a five-star masterpiece. Juice Bigelow, nice. male gigolo? Uh, probably not. Big Daddy? Existence? Maybe Existence. Existence could end up on there. Existence over Big Daddy? <laughs> I know it's not a Happy Madison production. Can you imagine Happy Madison's Existence? Can you imagine a, a Happy Madison-David Cronenberg collab? I would like to see it. <laughs> just all the body horror of Rob Schneider. <laughs> I'm just imagining them doing like a sex comedy out of The Dangerous Method. Mm. <laughs> Kira you know what? keeps I'm her accent. Kind of into that. Yeah. Like, like Sandler is um is is Freud. Yeah. You taking yeah. on the Viggo Mortensen role? I suppose then... Cosmopolis is almost there. I remember seeing Cosmopolis at the cinema and, like, a teenage girl looking very angry when we left. <laughs> Why? Because they went, what, what, what angry went, at you? I think they went for Pattinson, mm. and I don't think they were expecting that movie. It's like when I went to see Killer Joe on stage, and I saw a girl wearing a pirate hat because Orlando Bloom was in it. Oh, no. <laughs> I feel like any teen heartthrob is going to have a tough time with their roles afterwards. Rob Pattinson's kind of like scared everyone away at this point. That's mm. true. Rob Pattinson has like put like a like fuck you all vibe out there. But there was there was definitely not many Twilight fans when I went to see High Life at the production <laughs> there. It's just I incredible. Feel, I feel like all the stars of Twilight have like sort of like uh, well no the two main stars of Twilight have distanced themselves from the Twilight fans. Like I feel like Kristen Stewart does what she wants. Yeah. Rob Panson does what he wants, and then uh, Taylor Lautner pops up in Happy pa- Happy Madison movies. Yeah, <laughs> or BBC Three sitcoms. Yeah, <laughs> who knows what Cam Gigande is up to? Did you say who knows what Cam Gigande is up to? Yeah, no one knows. I feel like he must pop up in one of these movies. <laughs> mm. Who knows what um, Ashley Green is up to? Is that her name? Is she one of them? Is. I feel like you're getting down to like eight from the call sheet for twelve <laughs> movies now. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, all just the all the Tim Burton rejects. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Kellen Lutz. Kellen Lutz is a good cameo in Thirty Rock. I know that much. That is true. I I don't want to talk about these people anymore because <laughs> I want to talk about the film. Well, before we about. talk about the film, let me just say that each week your hosts Jack Gregson and Josh Pappenheim discuss the entire filmography of Happy Madison Productions from 1999 to current day. Yeah. Um, Josh, did you realise? It's the 10 year anniversary. What? It's the 10 year anniversary of Happy Madison with this film. We've gone through 10 years of Happy Madison. What the fuck? <laughs> Christ. Because this is the first film from 2009, oh. and Juice Bigelow came out in 1999. Wow. So we've, we've covered 10 years of a film studio. That's... Why wasn't there a special, like, Vanity plate for the Happy Madison logo, for <laughs> like wearing a birthday hat or something. We could make oh, like, one. Like a sort of uh, like a golf trophy that says ten years on it. Mm. <laughs> Most improved podcast. <laughs> I can't believe you guys have been doing I, it for ten years. I think I think um, that Ben meant more on the film rather than on our 
Shark buckle. Oh, I see. <laughs> <laughs> I think it could work. Um, yeah, we're uh, talking about Paul Paul Mobcob. Paul Blob Mobcob. Um, Ben's joining us because I know he's a big Paul Blob Mobcob fan. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of this movie that I've never seen before. <laughs> Josh, you're the big fan. I am. Well, I'm more of a Paul Blob Two fan, but you know this one. This one still has its worth because it introduces the character of Pob <laughs> to everyone. I'm going to argue that it doesn't actually introduce it. <laughs> sure. um, is, is anyone from this movie in Paul Blot 2? Apart from Kevin James. Um, his daughter is, right? His daughter's in it, yeah. Uh, and his like, mother has died because he off screen in the, in the Not off screen, no, but we'll get to that. Um, Gary Valentine's obviously in it, but plays a completely different character. That's fine. I can only assume that Kira Donnell returns. <laughs> he was he was Claire's baby mama in or baby daddy in Lost. Was he? Yeah. Mm. He's also the um the weird brother in Wedding Crashes. Oh him. Yes. <laughs> I can that. only assume that there's a scene with him in number two where it's like uh, the bit in Austin Powers Free where Austin goes to interview Dr. Evil after he's been captured. Yeah, yeah, I thought you were going to go to 20, 22 Jump Street. No, I could have gone to 22 Jump Street. I could have gone to Silence of the Lambs. But no. Yeah, that's I went, the classic. I, went, I, I really hope there's a scene in Full Blood 2 where it's just like Kira O'Donnell is like chained up and like Blart has to pump him for information. You're going to be so, so disappointed when we get to that film, but it is my favourite. They have Just... so much lore up, though, that they need to pay it off in the second movie. <laughs> sure. Otherwise, I'm going to be demanding the Snyder Cut of uh, Paul Blart Mall Cup 2. I don't know who, who directed I, I, I'm, I'm actually just curious now if Paul Blart Mall Cup 2 has the same director as Paul Blart. It doesn't. Blatt Andy Fickman directed Paul Blart 2. Andy mm. Fickman, of course, who directed Heather's The Musical. Wow. Which is the stage. Andy Fickman, who also directed uh, Dick. Dick. You ever see Dick? Nope. I've Dick's seen good. fun with Dick and Jane. Dick's good, bro. Dick's good. Nice. Um, Josh, do you have an IMDb plot synopsis for us? Yeah, it includes a typo that I'm going to read as originally <laughs> written. Lovely. And it's going to be really difficult. Paul Blart is a mild-mannered man who works as a security guard in a New Jersey mall. For years, he has applied to become a cop, but he always fails the physical exam because he has hypogamycemia and <laughs> tends to pass out when his blood sugar is low. One day, a gang of organized criminals put the mall under siege and take hostages. Blart becomes trapped inside and because of his sense of duty, refuses to leave. He thus becomes the police department's eyes on the inside and attempts to stop the criminals on his own. Written not... by Jay Reaper. It's not a sense of duty, though, is it? It's, no. It's his sense of dick. <laughs> he wants to fuck. <laughs> he wants to bone. <laughs> he wants to bone down. Uh, <sighs> do, we, do we want some stats? I would love some. So, of course, we all know this is from director Steve Carr. Steve Carr, yeah. who's... Uh, best known for doing uh, two sequels to movies that didn't really need sequels. He did Next Friday and Dr. Yeah. Doolittle 2. Ooh. 
and he's also the brother of Wayne. Wayne Carr. Good. It's, it's... <laughs> he also it's a directed, good joke! He also directed the sequel to Are We There Yet? Called Are We Done Yet? So, you know, he's um, Steve I'm Carr. Still, he's quite I'm a guy. St- I'm still upset they didn't call that sequel No. It, what's worse, that not being called no, or um, now you, now don't. you see me, and now you <laughs> see me too. I think it's now you see me too, to be honest, because that is it's just fucking there. But you're, are you waiting for now you free me? Yeah. <laughs> if they don't call it now, or now you see free. Yeah, but, I also um, want four smart. This is a change-up from his like Eddie Murphy Ice Cube collaborations. It but is. It jumping is. This feet is... first into into Kevin James. Only if you think that Kevin James doesn't belong amongst those titans. Well, also, you don't forget his Martin Lawrence collaboration, Rebound. Ooh. Um, uh, but yeah, this this is, for a film that is actually quite successful, this is kind of a career killer for Steve Carr, because he doesn't direct another feature film until 2016, which is a feature film that doesn't exist called Middle School, The Worst Years of My Life. <laughs> and then did the uh, Disney Channel original movie Freaky Friday, the remake that nobody was asking for. No, you're missing... Well, I suppose... I'm missing Movie 43. Movie 43, Which, yeah. you know, all of those were shot in, like, a drug-fueled weekend, so... Over he, several years. <laughs> over several years. <laughs> um, he might have shot that the day he shot this. True. I, was, I assume Paul Blackmore Cobb was all shot the day. Um, this <laughs> film stars uh, Kevin James, uh, the, the aforementioned Keir O'Donnell, mm. Jayma Mays, mm. Rainy Rodriguez, mm. and Bobby Cannavale. Yes! <laughs> this came out on the 16th of January 2009, and it was made for a budget of $26 million. Yep. And domest- at the domestic box office, it made 146 million. Oof. It is the first film to be released in January to make over $100 million. Whatever. Yes. Wow. <laughs> People were hungry. <laughs> they really wanted blood. But uh, internationally, it only made an extra $37 million. Oh, okay. Still so, good. Another huge hit worldwide. I mean, considering like bedtime stories made a hundred million dollars worldwide. I mean, internationally. Um, yeah, but that's so. got Disney behind it, hasn't it? That's and got it's Disney. Christmas Day. This oh, this is like a few weeks later. Yeah, but it's not <laughs> yeah. a family proposition. I think this. Do you not think this is a family film? No, there's like no content in this movie that seems unagreeable whatsoever. I think it's a PG on Netflix. Oh yeah, it is a PG. I never noticed that before. Fuck. <laughs> it is a family like, Do you think like, all, the, all the adults are like running out to go see Paul Blobble? Yeah. Maybe this movie just made so much money because it's like, the parents are like, I'm so stressed after Christmas. I'm going to pause the children in the cinema and then we're going to run away and like, yeah. from there for two hours. I believe domestically this does better than bedtime stories. Mm. Just internationally. It's uh... It uh, just doesn't hit that height. Is that from Kevin James, like, King of Queens not really being a thing outside of America? Because mm. obviously is this that... is... I don't, like, it's just, it, this is, like, in between his, like, big CBS sitcoms. And so is it, like, they're just kind of going off of, like, oh, I like that guy from King of Queens, so I'll go see him in a movie. Well, we're also, you know, we're, we're two years removed from, uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. 
and he's also, you know, made a bit of a shot. He, people love him in Hitch. I love him in Hitch. He's so, great. You know, he's definitely got more of a recognizable face at this point. I just think internationally, people just, well, comedies are a hard sell internationally anyway. Though I feel like this is a pretty universal idea for a comedy. Um, I certainly did know more cops from my time working in a, in a shopping centre. <laughs> Were any as good as Paul Blart? Uh, probably better, I think. <laughs> we'll, we'll get someone made complaint with the movie, but... Oh no! Um, Is it not so factually it... accurate to being working in a mall? Um, I mean, it's fine, I just... <laughs> I wouldn't say it's not factually accurate, I just say... I mean, I, I, my main complaint is, like, I think it would be funnier if Paul Blart was more, like, talented at his job if he was actually, like, good at it. Mm. I kind of have the same thought. Uh, at the domestic box office, uh, yeah, so uh, opening weekend, it opened at number one. Fuck yes. <laughs> opened at number one ahead of Gran Torino. <laughs> you get off my lawn! If it's sixth week. Um, also opening, uh, or then a, a number three, you have My Bloody Valentine opening that week. Um, which I was like, I, I, for a moment, I was like, well, why are they opening My Bloody Valentine in January? It's not going to last till Valentine's Day, which mm. it, it didn't. And I went and looked and I saw that on Friday the 13th, that next uh, month, uh... the Friday the 13th remake opened. So I was like, uh... <laughs> they probably were like, like we'll just... I was going to say, isn't it like when they have to open Christmas movies in November? Because, like, you can't really run them just in December. I know, but opening this a full month before Valentine's Day for a Valentine's Day movie is a very strange proposition. Also, there's a difference between, like, a horror Valentine's Day movie and, like, a Christmas movie, I think. I, I, guess, you, I guess you are looking like when Fifty Shades opened on Valentine's Day, it's like everyone's going there on a date night kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. yeah. They should, like, but I guess, you know... Jason Voorhees was going to take the box office that weekend, yeah, so. Um, then you've got... Was num- that the 3D one? My Bloody Valentine 3D, yes. Yes. Was that when the, 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 both the Supernatural guys were, like, trading off on horror franchises? Yes, mm. yes, because one's in this one and the other's in Friday the 13th. Yeah, I saw this one at the cinema, yeah. I saw Friday the 13th at the cinema. Oh. <laughs> um, number four, you have Notorious, the first um, of the... Uh, rap biopics that features the son of the person playing the character. The person. <laughs> um, yeah. And number five, you've got Hotel for Dogs. This must be the Hotel for Dogs. <laughs> is that a line? No, it's a, it's a good tweet. I'll send, I'll send it to you. It's probably just what the pitch meeting was. <laughs> One of my favourite things about Hotel for Dogs was that the DVD cover had a review on it that said a mutsy <laughs> which isn't isn't really wordplay. No. Uh... Down at number twelve you've got bedtime stories though. Whoa, so, hanging on. You know, Happy Madison just in that rotation at the at this point. A sleeper hit. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh this has uh... got a thirty four percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Mm. I, I'm I'm pretty much on board with that mm. I feel Josh you'd go higher uh, I can't remember what I gave it I think it's I think it's a three star this boy okay personally so yeah <laughs> 60 uh, and other comedies from 2009 because we're in a new 
New Year, we can talk about the other comedies that came out. You got stuff like Seventeen again. Oh yeah. Couples Retreat. Fuck. Uh, Night at the Museum: The Battle for the Smithsonian, mm. which, for my money, is the best of the Night at the Museum trilogy. Is that the second one? That is the second one. Right. It's the one where Hank Azaria is basically playing bigger stickers. Yes. Yes. Um, yes, yes. I love you, man. Mm. And uh, Bruno. Two thousand nine, <laughs> not a solid year for comedy movies. It's the it's the financial crash, isn't it? <laughs> People weren't ready to laugh, or they were ready to laugh at literally nothing. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's a weird lineup. I mean, there's like prestige comedy movies like uh, Up in the Air and A Serious Man, but I don't think you can put them yeah. on the same uh, the same playing field as Paul Blart Mall Cop. I don't know. <laughs> I think they belong together. I think you you can make a case for Poblob and a serious man to be a double bill. Can can you? (laughs) (laughs) They're both about people whose days get worse. Gradually. And have their faith tested. You know? So I think they're both... I don't think Paul Blart's faith is ever tested in this film. I think it is. I don't think there's any moment where Paul Blart is like, I've lost... No, that's a good point. Ben, uh, as as our guest, please tell us your history with the Happy Madison Corporation and Adam Sandler in general. I mean, it's sort of non-existent. Like, I had a friend who was very into, like, film school and stuff like that, and so I would watch a lot of these stupid comedies around his house. Like, Is this the... friend me? It's not. It's <laughs> not. So, like, he was the one who showed me, and I know this isn't a Happy Madison movie, but he's the one who showed me, like... Um, Big Daddy and Fifty First Dates and Anger Management and and all those kind of like early early run ones, but like they weren't a thing I wanted to see in cinema. I think I saw Click on a Plane. I watched Rain Over Me purely because of the the Shadow of the Colossus stuff because I really like that game. And then apart, yeah. from, apart from that, and like watching Funny People because it's Judd Apatow. I don't think I've seen any of like the big movies. I certainly haven't seen Kevin James in a movie in a leading role ever until I watched this. Have you mm. not seen I Now Pronounce You Chuck and Larry? No, after you, after your, like, I remember <laughs> university and you did your Adam Sandler watch uh, yeah. for the radio show that I produced. Um, and were just like, this is the, the most offensive piece of dreck that I've ever had to watch. It's unquestionably his worst movie. I hated every minute of it, like, blah, blah. And I was like, cool, not rushing to see that one then in Perfect. the next 10 years. Maybe give it a shot. <laughs> you never know. Okay. Maybe watch um, uh, uh, You Don't Mess With The Zohan and weigh in on the uh, the longest-running debate on this show. What's Israel, Israel Palestine. Palestine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Josh and I stand at either side of the debate. <laughs> please, don't, please don't ascertain which one is which. It's fairly obvious. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Josh, I'm getting, how do you, you you've seen this film? I've seen this film four times. Did you watch this film before Paul Blart woke up too? Yes, yes. Um, what, how, when, when, what what drew you to this one? Because like so, this came out, and I'm like uh, 18, and I couldn't be less bothered about it. Well, yeah. What drew me to this film is uh, three boys: Justin McElroy. Uh, Travis McElroy and uh, Griffin McElroy, who, for anyone who doesn't know, they present um, 
My Brother, My Brother and Me, one of my fave podcasts. They then went on to do The Adventure Zone, which introduced me to D&D in a way that I didn't really understand it before. I just was like, oh, it's for nerds. And now I play D&D every other week. It is um, for nerds. Fuck off. Just off the back of that podcast, basically. And then they started a new podcast called um, Till Death Do Us Blood, which they present with um, Tim Bat and Guy Montgomery from The Worst Idea of All Time. For people who don't know, that's the podcast where they watched, I think they started off watching Grown Ups 2 once it was a Grown Ups 2 and then Sex and the City 2. And then Sex and the City 2 and then they did another. Anyway, so they came together and formed like a super group and all they did is they watched Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 every Thanksgiving and I think they've been doing that for like five years. So I first came to this film five years ago when I found out they were going to, going to be doing that podcast on Paul Blart Mall Cop 2 and I thought, well, I have to watch Paul Blart, Paul Blart Mall Cop 1 yeah <laughs> that's, that's the first time i watched so, it I guess, on a I train guess my, going to wales my question here is does that mean that paul blart mall cop 2 is also a thanksgiving movie no <laughs> it's not <laughs> i think this one is i don't think it's set at thanksgiving it's it's difficult to tell because the second one's set in las vegas so Every day they like don't Black have Friday. seasons yeah but is this one is this one is is it thanksgiving in this one the, the events yes. movie take place on Black Friday, so it's the day after Thanksgiving. Is do the events take place on Black Friday? I know they're leading yes. up to Black Friday. No, because no, the whole, the whole, the whole, the, the the joke that is ever so memorable is that Amy's birthday is on Black Friday, and so apparently no one will get her a card. And so, Mate, I I did not realize it was her birthday for a while. Same. I, up until the bit, everyone deserves a card on their birthday. Yeah, she, she tosses like, whose birthday is it? She tosses <laughs> it off in like that introduction scene, and it's like apparently like Thanksgiving makes sense as a day not to get a card. That people are too busy seeing their families and stuff like that, and maybe don't get a card. Mm. Black Friday is not a day that you would forget to like give someone a card. Wait, no. does she reference this as as if like this happens to her all the time? Because Black Friday and Thanksgiving are different days every year. No, she she does <laughs> she does say like this year my birthday is on Black Friday, so no one will uh, give me a card. I, d I don't understand that logic. It's plot, like, Jack. No, it's not plot. Like you just send a card in the post. Like, it's come plot. on. Um, but they they drop it for an hour until he like <laughs> the card store and is like in there. I need to go. Fuck the hostages. <laughs> also, I'm sorry that that must have been the calmest Black Friday ever committed to like film. That did mm. not look like a bad Black Friday. You hear stories of Black Friday in America of people like, you know, just like completely ransacking a place. That mall was spotless <laughs> when everybody left. Well it's the end of, it's the end of the day. I mean having worked at Black Friday you have people like cleaning up and like restocking shelves. And you have worked Black Friday in the UK. It's a very different very different I've I've never actually. worked Black Friday. I, I, oh. I thought you said you said having worked Black Friday. I've, I've, I've done night shifts and I've come in at the very tail end, but I've never actually personally been there at like nine o'clock in the morning when the doors open and like people rush in. I feel like that mall would have been ransacked. Well, what you're failing to recognize, Jack, is how good a security team they have to stop such disputes. And it's all thanks, all praise be to Pob. So I won't it hear this. It just goes and calls women fat. Yeah. <laughs> That's how you de-escalate situations. It's Security Guard Manual so, 101. Well, so the film opens with with uh, let's let's get into Paulie Blarty. Fuck film yeah. opens with him uh, doing the obstacle course, and is quite... second second film we've had this in. 
Yes, the second bell rose. <laughs> flashed right back to the animal. Fuck. Um, uh, you've got Paul Blart attempting to do the obstacle course and doing it very well until yeah. he passes out. To which I assumed he was a narcoleptic. That was that was my thought as well. Which I was just like, oh, it's going to be like Rat Race when Rowan <laughs> Atkinson is a narcoleptic. No, it's even more clever than that because, Jack, what you might fail to notice about Pob is that he's fat. And therefore, you know what? It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. This movie. They, don't, they don't bring it up often. <laughs> there are definitely, you know, there are, there's room for fat jokes in this movie. I reckon there's something to the room note, for. My second note is fat jokes are going to be a thing here, aren't they? <laughs> I mean, when, I believe when that the was camera, like four minutes into the movie. When the camera pans across and it's got the ever so tasteful, like, smiley face of sweat. Oh yeah, chest, and it's like okay. But he right. The thing I find about Kevin James that is so intriguing is that at the same time he's a very large man, but he's like really solid. Do you know what I mean? Like in that scene where he's running, like where where I'm like I don't know if Ice Cube is hench or fat. Yeah, exactly. Like Kevin, I think Kevin James is fat. He looks like he's got like a rugby player build in some way. Yeah. I think he's hench, but he is also fat. I think he's both of these things together. And I think here comes the boom will prove this. But yeah, he is an he is an enigma. I just wanted to see if he'd done anything in between this and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. And I forgot that he was a cameo in Zohan. Yes. Um but the only other thing he did was he was in Elmo's Christmas Countdown <gasps> Santa Claus. Magical. What a great guy. I like his wig in this film as well. Is that the wig he purchases within the film? No. They're hair extensions, Jack. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> For volume. For volume. Ten dollars. Yeah. Um so yeah, we he does the he does the obstacle course and then we, we're introduced to his mum, who is played by Shirley Knight from Grandma's Boy. Mm. And uh his daughter, Maya, played by Rennie oh, yeah. Rodriguez from Disney Channel's Austin and Alley. Mm. Um, so there are a few things I hate about <laughs> about the family unit. Yeah, I thought I I, I, I genuinely thought going into this like oh this is going to be like a little bit sweet like obviously like he's got a child who is obviously of mixed race like they're going to do something quite nice with this and then they drop the bombshell of <laughs> what happened to his wife. It's fucking awful. I <laughs> like. It's one of those terrible Sandler jokes that I think... I think we have to explain the joke for those who haven't seen it. So, alright. Do, do you want me to take it? I, I can do it. Alright. Um, yeah, he's got this daughter who is of Latina descent and you find out that her mum is his uh, Blart's ex-wife who is only seen for a photo <laughs> of her and Blart sitting on a camel? Is it a camel? It could be. I thought donkey, but that's just my mind's eye. You've seen the film four times. Yeah, I don't remember. <laughs> um, and uh, she is a very overweight Mexican woman. Yes. And um, apparently she, she married Blart for a green card and then like escaped from him. Had a baby and then ran off. Yeah. Because to which, to which Maya says that she hates her, and yeah. Bart is like, "You shouldn't hate her." She gave me you. <laughs> That's true. It's, uh... um, but yeah, it was like 
the first joke is obviously like immigrants are all awful people who just want green cards. Yeah, that's the thing. It, it's it's almost like so ten years before, like um, Deuce Bigelow, they would have made that joke, and a white person would have made it. And it's like they're not ready to let go of making those horrible jokes. Do you, but they've do you recognized... not think that Kevin James is white? <laughs> what? Do you not think that Kevin James is white? No, I do, but they have they have Maya ra- railing against her. You know, it's not. So they've they've just they've they've recruited the other sides to be against. Yeah, them. no. Now they're like, oh, it's not okay for us to say it. We will write it, but we'll have someone appropriate say it. It's more that they back it up. Yeah. Like Kevin James does say it still, kind of. That, no, that's that photo true. is the joke in itself, and yeah. and it's a recurring joke throughout the movie, like. Yeah. Amy won't want the green cup from him, so it's fine. <sighs> so it's such like a strange. So yeah, my like the first like thing that just really strikes me about this movie is I find it very low energy. Like how dare su- you? How su- fucking dare you? It's surprisingly like a quiet comedy. Uh, well, uh, n- um. Yeah, <laughs> that's fair. And like, and this is really set up in like these opening scenes of him and his mum and his daughter just sitting there in this sort of sadness. What about him? You know, peanut butter. It just fills the cracks of the heart. Very upsetting. <laughs> that was my Very first. Up. That was my first half laugh of the film. Josh, I have one like point five laugh. Really? Oh, that's I'm on it. Ten point five. All... I like this I've... film ten times more than you. I've got like like. Just um, do we, can I tell you what my only joke was? Yeah, that go on. Is when um he informs a customer at the mall that he can perform a citizen's arrest on her, and she says, "So can I." It's a citizen's arrest. <laughs> that is the only joke that I found funny in this movie. Your delivery then, Jack, made me laugh more than the entire movie did. I, I, <laughs> I, I didn't laugh at all, and I don't know really? because of the low energy in terms of like. There were so many like setups and payoffs throughout the movie where like they're they're laying groundwork for jokes that are going to come up later, and then mm. the, the punchline would come and it would feel like it was almost shrugged off that they were finally getting to this like payoff. Yeah. A lot of this movie feels like a shrug, and you know what? I think if this movie was funny, it would be great because I actually found it a very untaxing watch. <laughs> yeah, like. It has a plot. Mm. It's not a great plot. It's a bit of a half-assed It's diehard. It's diehard in a mall. Mm. Now, if the film was funnier and had better characters, it would be, I think, all right. But... Which characters would you improve? I'm finding it impossible to think of any. <laughs> I mean, Paul Bart. Nope. <laughs> He's perfect. Uh, Vex Sims. <laughs> I really hate his character. It's terrible. But still, here we are. I mean... All the bad guys are. The one of my notes is that just the bad guys are rubbish. I was going to say you're saying this this film is low energy. Like, I haven't seen another film where someone does a heist with a gang of parkour fans. <laughs> <laughs> or parkour or, fans and extreme sports. And extreme, sort of. Yeah, the fucking X Games rolls in and tries to steal the mall. I hated all of that. I yeah, um, my favorite part of all that is there are seven of them and they are named after. Santa's reindeer, mm. of which there are famously nine reindeer. Mm. <laughs> so there are just two reindeer that do not get named in this movie. And even like you could take like Rudolph out of that. Like, That's not true. Because and then Rudolph is one of them. That's not true. What, what's what's not, true? not true? 
Bobby Cannavale. Oh, well, yeah, Bobby Cannavale, Bobby Cannavale, and Be Beck Sims don't have nicknames. I was yeah, but they are eight and nine. But I was expecting them to have a reveal of like he yeah. or dancer or something like that. But, but like you know what? I didn't catch the the um the nickname thing until quite late into the movie. It's, it, again, just completely shrugged off. I noticed it at first. Was... He calls it someone Prancer at one point. I'm just like, oh yeah, someone else is called Rudolph. I guess I just thought the guy's name was Rudolph. But yeah, you never know. Like parkour addicts, you would expect them to have names like Blitzen. But I don't think they ever say Blitzen in the movie. No, I don't. No. Think <laughs> I'm assuming the one woman in the team is Vixen. Yes, could be Donna. Um, it could be Donna. She's also the only one who re doesn't recover from her injury, like. Because I was, I was like counting them being taken down. I was like, oh, maybe there are nine of them. They just haven't named all of them. And then I realised mm. that the the Asian guy who was like jabbing the pole into the into the air vents yeah. and the bald guy who got put in the tanning salon just came back when they invaded Rainforest oh. Cafe. He was the one where I was like, did he come back? The the bald guy. Well, I, th that's why it kind of fails as a Die Hard ripoff as well because it's like in Die Hard you're counting down as the henchmen get taken out, and it's like, there's only yeah. five left, there's only six left, or whatever. And in this movie, it's like, yeah, they just found them. Which completely negates the whole plot of trying to find the codes for the bank readers, because they're just still around, and they haven't yeah, taken them anyway. Well, that's, that's brought up at the end, in which Bobby Cannavale is like, I can just arrest them all and get the numbers myself. Because a twist for people who haven't seen this movie, <laughs> Bobby Cannavale is a police officer who's on the take. SWAT commander. SWAT commander. Who conveniently went to school with Paul Blart. Yeah, that pays off. <laughs> <laughs> it all pays off, buddy. It's a great uh, film. You know, it's it just... This film, yeah, the low energy of it really plays into it. And like, to the point where it's like... I just don't ever buy into this world that they've created in which Paul Blart is able to get around this mall because... He is... he's pretty shit. Yeah, but you and know like he's how just, he's able to get around the mall. On a segue. On a segue! <laughs> he's just out in the open for most of it. And I'm just like, they're gonna catch him. No, no, there's and, that one scene where he uh, like, slides behind the map. Which is some great yeah. physical comedy. As he, but the, but the map is also out in the open, like there's only one side. But also, it. they shoot it from an angle, so he only hides behind it from the angle at which the camera is at. <laughs> yeah. it's, Good point. Like, this is it. It's just, it's really... Like, I shouldn't be thinking about such a thing, but all I'm thinking about is like, Blart should have been caught by now. Like the scene where he goes into the bank with all the hostages. Yeah, like, but didn't you like it... the bit where he squat waddles through the through the rope maze? No, because then it's, no, it's <laughs> like it doesn't make sense. He was just walking. Through. I was just like, like you're gonna get caught. Yeah. This is it. Like this like, comedy with no drama. It doesn't like even airplane has drama. But that that was you my know, main like... thing is like the fact that both the villains and Paul Blart are incompetent kind of sucks so much of the energy out of mm. the whole thing going on. Like it's almost like it needs some hot fuzz energy where like the whole conflict is he's too good to be a mall cop, but he can't get to be a police officer. And so everyone in the mall is just kinda of like, Oh god, he's so tryhard and wants us to be better at our jobs. And that's it as well. Oh, like yeah. it should. Like the only thing you find out that's like negative about him is that he's got hypoglycemia. So like, why is he so shit at everything else? Like, and it takes on that sort of Happy Madison uh, thing that I, I'd hoped we'd gotten away from a bit, where just like, it's just the lovable loser, and everyone hates him, and everybody hates him. But well, you say he's crap, 
but he does have that one scene. Like, he's he's shit, and then suddenly he gets in the rainforest cafe, and he is fucking predator. Yeah, and then the next scene, he squirts hot sauce in the bad guy's eye, distracting him, and then just doesn't do anything. <laughs> I like that bit though. I really like, don't. Yeah, yeah, was that was that one of yeah. your laughs? Um, I don't think it was. <laughs> I just like it. It's the most lazily set up scene. Oh no no no! It was one of my laughs. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> Sorry, the bad guy. Came, but it was more him throwing it, and then the guy going like ah ah, more than Honestly, Pop looking around, going like yeah, I did it. I think we needed more time, actually, in the heist rather than setting up Paul Blart as a mm. loser. It, like, look at Die Hard. Like he, uh, John McClane goes to that building and it's taken over. Like you know, like that's it. The, yeah. That's what you want in this in this movie. It, you, it, it, with like all the setup, like who the fuck cares that Vic was working as a security guard? Vec. Vec. <laughs> it sort of hurts the movie that they're not done introducing new players by the time the the, the heist happens, because like you've still got VJ to come in and you've still got Bobby Cannavale to show up and stuff like mm. that. VJ from uh, Rules of Engagement. Yes. No. no wait, wait. No. No. Pahood. No. No. Wait. Pahood from yes, Rules Pahood. of Engagement. VJ, VJ, VJ Eric is Eric from from uh, Mr. Deeds and Master of Disguise. Yeah. Pahood was from Rules of Engagement. Has anyone seen um, the trailer for Pahood's Oh my new show? god, yes. I hey, hate it. This? Oh, trailer for? The, the United States of Al. I've not. Oh, you'll like it. It's a new Chuck Lorre show. Okay. Um, and a fucking then, you know, nightmare. Um, a dear Kalyan. Yes, um, I, was, uh, I realized that I'd seen him in a few things because like, obviously he, he's from he's from our beloved Rules of Engagement as Timmy, and then I realized I'd seen him in another sort of shitcom called uh, Aliens in America. I, I know that one. Yeah, where he plays uh, he uh, an immigrant, and the joke is that he's an immigrant, and then uh, he this United States of Al, he is. Um, He's coming to America to teach us all that maybe love is is not as hard as we think. Uh, I just, uh, yeah, listeners, if you haven't watched guy. the trailer, watch it. But it's absolutely terrible. It's yeah, a guy comes back from Afghanistan and brings back his interpreter, who teaches who teaches Dean Norris that <laughs> that Muslims are nice people. I don't know. I it don't know. It looks like it's going to be really good. It looks like another Bob loves Abishola. Yeah. Um, Fucking hate comedy. <laughs> uh, but you love the Goldbergs. Mm, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> you love rules of engagement. Yeah, I did. I pre- yeah, as I said then, I'll say it now, I'd rather watch all the rules of engagement than the Goldbergs, I think. I don't think you did say that before. Oh. Well, as I've said now, and retroactively <laughs> said that I said then, I would. <laughs> I would. I would. <laughs> I would have said that if I had thought um, of it then. Yeah, just this... The low energy of this film is is one of the biggest sort of downers about it, I think. like. I mean, I'm gonna... I Yeah. I'm no, sorry, okay. Josh, though. I'm, like, shitting on your favourite film. This isn't my favourite. I definitely prefer Pob 2, but, you know, this one... Do you think I'm going to be pretty on board with Pob 2? No. <laughs> <laughs> if you don't like this one... Actually, I think the second one is more knowing and is funnier. But anyway, 
Um, I had lots of laughs in this film. I just looked up what the Rotten Tomatoes score for Pop <laughs> 2 is. I, I mean, way less. Is it, is it because of, like, the, the recurring joke of it being a podcast that makes it fun? It's like, it's good in a cat's way, where it's like, oh, I mm. want to let this wash over me and hate everything that's going on, but have a great time whilst watching it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I won't even I, lie. That, that is lie not how me. I watch Cats. Oh. I don't hate everything that goes on in Cats. No, I really like Mr. Mr. I watch Cats to watch your reactions, Jack. Yeah, and I tell you what, I like the dance orgy scene. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's also good. <laughs> I just uh, noticed who is uh, the co-writer on this film. Kevin James? Uh, oh. Well, Kev- Kevin James is one of the co-writers. No, it's the other one. Salem. <laughs> it's Salem from Sabrina the Teenage Witch. <laughs> Nick Beke. <laughs> he also returns, I think, to co-write on Pop 2. He does. He My favourite Charlie XCX album. <laughs> you think he's just there being like, Kevin, we've got to ride the show. <laughs> My oh, spot on yeah, Salem impression. He was, good, man. he was a writer on Till Death as well. Is he not a writer on? Um, is he a writer on King of Queens? Uh, yes, he, he was. Like a producer. He was a producer on King of Queens. I assume that would mean he would write on it as well. And then he did Till Death afterwards. He did. He wrote five episodes of King of Queens. Till Death season four is one of the most insane seasons of a comedy show ever. Did he write on season four? Uh, I'm not sure. He was a producer. So he wrote. He was a producer. Two of episodes. Um, yeah, that's the season where like they have the one of the brothers, or like the, the brother-in-law like go insane and start hallucinating he's got a Tim Sharp. episode. Yes. Um, yeah, like, I'm just quite surprised that like, you know, Salem's out there <laughs> making making this movie. Mm-hmm. I think this is the only film he's written apart from, uh, oh no, sorry, he's written obviously Paul Blart Walk Up 2 yeah, and Zookeeper. On. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so he's just good friends with Kevin James. He looks like he's very good friends with Kevin James. Well, you would be if you met him. I and imagine. you were a Republican Christian. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <that's true. laughs> God, he's <so> Kevin James. <laughs> well, you know what? That plays into my next note in that um, uh, Jemma Mays, who plays the love interest of this movie, mm-hmm. and Kevin James have zero chemistry. <laughs> yeah, extremely true. She looks like she does not want to be anywhere near him for most of this movie. Well, she doesn't. <laughs> That's the very simple answer. She doesn't. Um, but, yeah, that's, it, it makes this film so hard to go with. But, you know, like, Pop deserves her because he's a nice guy. Oh, no. Pop, is Pop an incel? Yeah, of course he's a fucking incel. Come on. His whole thing. That scene at Thanksgiving where he goes up to his room to cry over his zero matches. Yeah. <laughs> Same. I like his um, little video. Josh, did you notice that this film has something? Of course I did, Jack. Of course I noticed. Of course this I noticed. This film has got an angry animal An angry attack. animal attack! One full laugh from me! Also, <laughs> ends in a very depressing way in which Paul Blart Runs over a dog. Is this, <laughs> is this the first time the animals lost the fight, or does the animal frequently lose the fights in this section segment? Oh, no, they usually win. I feel they maybe we should go back win. and chalk it up. I mean, are we still including uh, the animal as <laughs> as an animal? <laughs> as an animal. <laughs> yeah, I think so. I guess he kind of wins, doesn't he? Mm. And his 
animal girlfriend wins, I suppose. Mm. Um, yes, they all win. <laughs> that's the like that pay, that joke has no payoff. He just kills a dog in the first like ten minutes of the movie, and then Satsu, Satsu, Mister Blue Sky, <laughs> and then really nothing good. comes of it. Like it's not even like he's walking in the neighborhood and someone's got a sign up saying like, "Have you seen my dog?" or something. Like, oh, that'd be nice. There was things um, where I was like, "This feels like like even at the end of the movie when he like does the the climb over the fence to get onto the airport." And it's obviously, yeah. and it's calling back to like the opening scene of him doing the training course. I was like, it'd be kind of fun if there were a bunch of tires at the bottom of the. Yeah, of the I, I don't think I'd ever thought that while watching this film before. But this time, I was like, I don't know why they did. Yeah, exactly like you said. Why didn't they mirror the even the just training throughout scenario? the film? Like it's stuff yeah. that you had to do that would have come up in that training scenario. But no, the film is more preoccupied with segway jokes they are funny though they're not <laughs> i mean is that, is that just because there's a lot of product placement in this it's like rainforest can pay lot. to get blown up that yeah. sharper sharper in it, images in it and it's shut down by the time this film is <laughs> what was that robot i remember adverts everywhere for that oh robot. yeah a robot that does the thrusting action in this <laughs> And distracts a guy long enough for Kevin James to <laughs> hit him with a hockey stick like three times. Yeah, I never got in that what? scene where he doesn't use a baseball bat because that would be better. Isn't he wearing like a hockey jersey? Well, yeah, but like you can wear a fencing gear and use a gun. <laughs> you know, you don't have to. You don't, right, Mister. I believe that duels should be legal. <laughs> I do believe. <laughs> That's beside the point. Would you can wear whatever you want to do a duel. Would you have liked this movie more if at the end like, <laughs> Kevin James slapped Cannavale and was like, I challenge you to a duel. I demand satisfaction. Yes, I would. Like, it ended with them dueling. They kind of do duel. No, they don't. <laughs> they don't. It's Josh. a word duel. It's not, because just an old man comes and shoots him. An old man comes and shoots him because of, like, like they try to set up that probably Cannavale has pissed them off by, like, taking their command away. So yeah, it's extremely also, terrible. Also, is the old man who's a chief, is he introduced before they get evacuated? Because no. the only other security guard I remembered in the movie was fucking Alan Cover. Oh wait, yes, he was. Yeah, he's he in was. like the scenes early on in the room. Is he indicated that he is the chief? Not really. Yes. I thought he was, but I don't know. <laughs> you think it is because you've seen this movie four times and you know that's the chief. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I thought I thought Alan Cover was like the chief. No. Because Alan Cover is like, you've got this new recruit that you need to train. No, he, he doesn't even have a name, Alan Cover. <laughs> Alan Cover is jerky security guy. <laughs> he has definitely has more screen time in like the first 20 minutes of this movie before like the mall gets taken over. He has more screen time than the chief does. Yeah, but what I'm really it's glad definitely... about in this film is that the back of his head has a lot of screen time and you can really see how balding he is by this point. Which is not. I mean, I'm a bald man, but you know, this it's. I I can say that it gives me joy because he's like obviously trying to hide it, and so it's just nice to have a. Imagine if you saw this in the cinema, at the premiere, and Alan Covert's got his hair all done, and then there's just like a thirty second shot of his bald pate. That'd fuck him up. That probably led to who he is now. No, I think he was always that guy. <laughs> yeah, fine. he's always been the worst. Um, fine. Uh, the uh, the kid from the Nutty Professors in here. 
Yeah, this I mean, is the thing with this movie. It's so low energy, and it just—I just don't have much to say about it. Like, I thought uh, it was a—it's definitely not the worst film we've seen. In fact, it's arguably one of the better films we've seen. But we've seen a lot of bad. Yes. I spent most of my time just getting annoyed at like how a better movie would have done the joke better, and like it just kept on getting distracted by doing other things, like when. Jamal Mixon shows up, and I was really worried then that he wasn't going to get to say anything, and his entire thing was he can eat nachos really quickly. Oh, I mean, yeah. it basically is. It's that, and he asks for a happy meal. Yes, and more, more. He is fat. Have some food-related content. <laughs> I mean, I'm amazed at how you boys can sit there and when you watch this film and you think about how the film could be improved, because as soon as I see that badge come across the screen, I go into a sort of trance. Josh, is that because when that badge comes on screen, they are playing what is apparently a plagiarised version of the face-off theme? (gasps) Is that where I know it from? (laughs) And you are just so excited because you have muscle memory of face-off coming in. Could be. (laughs) And you are transfixed because you are ready to see, like, Castor Troy versus Sean Archer. Yeah, it sounds like that, and it also sounds a bit like um, the theme from The Rock. Right at the beginning, you know, the bit where... I've never seen The Rock. Fucking hell, right. (laughs) We're going to do Truly... No, we can't do Cage. Other people are doing that. Truly Happily Bay. Ooh. That's a lot of Transformers, though. (laughs) Yeah, I don't want to do it. But yeah, I just just let this film wash over me, and I, I laugh at bits. I don't laugh at other bits. It's just 91 minutes of... Fine. It was it was it was like a warm bath. I was like, yeah. not I'm not mad at anything that's going on. I'm a lukewarm a lukewarm bath. bath. Yeah. I'm just I'm just disappointed that this <laughs> feels like it could have been better. It's like I've got in the bath about half an hour too late. Yeah. It's it's a concept that could work. I'm wondering as well, like for, for years I know Kevin Smith wanted to do a sequel to More Rats called Die Hard in a Mall. Mm. And I as much as I'm sort of, I've cooled down on Kevin Smith in my more adult years, I don't know, I feel like those characters in Die Hard in a Mall would have been more fun than, than this character in Die Hard in a Mall. Also set in New Jersey. Um, oh, fuck, true. I don't know, I would have preferred Jason Lee pulling most of these stunts than Kevin James. Yeah, but I don't think Jason Lee can take a... um. A ball pit ball to the face and then lick his lips and go, my lips have gone numb. That made me laugh. I don't think Jason Lee could do that. I did not like the segue jump, Josh. Which segue jump? Oh, the... the... He jumps over a roof. Oh, no, that yeah, no, that was shit. No, that was shit, but what I do enjoy, I always forget that he then clotheslines someone through (laughs) through a window. Oh, you know what? This does remind me, there is a stunt in it that I do really like. Yeah. I like the guy riding his skateboard through the moving lift. Yeah, that's good. That's my that's my favorite stunt in the movie. That and the laugh about Citizen's Arrest are the two highlights of the movie. I, for me. I came very close to laughing at him somehow managed to like rise from the coffin in the <laughs> Yeah, pulpit. that's that's alright. Like, like, I feel like I'd seen that before though. But that's, I feel like it must have been in the trailer. That's the kind of absurdist humour I kinda of wanted from it. It feels like if it was just more absurd you would get along with it more. And it's like... It even needed to be more absurd or more committed to an actual, like, story arc for Blart. Yeah. 
But like, no, I don't does, know, man. It, I like it. I, I, <laughs> I like, like it when it's shit. I like the absurdity of everyone on the skateboards and the bikes and stuff like that. Like that feels like that is a kernel of an idea there. I don't think they think it's absurd though. I think they think it's cool. But this is like three years after parkour has kind of like blown up. This is like three years. Mm. Yeah, but do, do you do you think these people have their finger pulse on what is cool? No. Do you think Steve Carr, director of Doctor Doolittle Two, is like he's like mm, I don't know about parkour. It's a bit passe. But what else are you gonna do? What else are you gonna give him, Jack? It's two thousand and nine. Harlem Shake. Oh no, that's not even then. That's not even then yet. Flash mobs. I don't want them to be like flash in the pan, cool bad guys. I just want them. You know, I'd like it if the bad guys were a little bit threatening. They are threatening. They can skateboard really good. <laughs> Kiro Donald unloads an entire clip into a mannequin without even hesitating. <laughs> this is true. And also does not realize until he takes the mask off the mannequin that it is not a person. Yeah. But that is the most that... threatening anyone gets in that movie. That one guy it's... has a pointy stick. There's a small bomb that goes off at one point. Okay, yeah. I, want, I wanted to have a go at this because the police abandon their plans to get into the building because some flashbangs go off. And they're like, oh, we can't, we definitely <laughs> they, can't they go in the building. Never try again. <laughs> I mean, this raises the biggest problem for me is like, so about three quarters of the way through, so the bad guys have hostages and then they raise the stakes by having Paul Blart's daughter just wander into the mall. <laughs> so strange. It's <laughs> just like, why is his daughter? Why is she bringing him his lunch? Like, they've had the line earlier on that he's like, he skipped lunch, but also he's hypoglycemic. That's like the most important thing for him to do. Is yeah. It's also like the middle of the night. Why is she it's bringing him It's also the middle lunch? of the night. And also, did she not see the fucking load of police outside? Also, was he not, was he not going to go home? Was he going to stay in the mall? Because yeah, it know. doesn't look like that. It's not a night watchman. But then no. there's also the part where, like, he comes out of the mall, makes it about halfway across the parking lot, and then decides to turn back. And the police don't go, huh, they don't seem to have bombs on the front door. They don't seem to be guarding the front door. <laughs> this doesn't feel like it's as intense an operation as we were assuming it was going to be. Yeah. But there's like, well, I guess it's because, you know, Bobby's... Oh, he's not even there at that point, is he? <laughs> like, Fuck. If, if, they, if they're sense. scared for the hostages, like, fair enough. But it just feels like they make no attempt to try and get into that building. No. no. Um, did anyone else really like the line of here's the craziest part I am the leader. <laughs> it's so strange. <laughs> uh, and, and like I like how like someone brings along his bad guy clothes to work. <laughs> yeah, that's really good. <laughs> I also liked yeah how you can tell he's a bad guy because he takes off his mall cop outfit he's covered he's in tattoos, tattoos. <laughs> you're like oh i see he's bad i understand that this is like a very high-end mall but when they said there's 3.5 million dollars in this mall even in 2009 that felt a little high <laughs> for like re don't worry mate it's not 3.5 million it's 30 million oh god <laughs> it's 30 million dollars that's more than the budget of this movie <laughs> Yeah, I was very confused about what the plan is because you've got him saying we're going to go, we're getting all the money and we're going to the Cayman Islands. But then at a different point, he says something about he has loads of stuff in his Amazon wish list. And I'm like, that's are they going to. Huh? He can get it shipped oh. to the Cayman Islands. Yeah, yes. <laughs> but yeah, also, I didn't really understand. He plans to take all the hostages with him to the Cayman Islands. Yeah, that's gonna, he's going to eat up but, loads of his winnings. It's really strange, this idea. <laughs> like, what? You, I don't feel like they take the hostages with them. Is that 
They've seen Dog Day a, Afternoon. He had, a, he had a private plane, like, chartered to take him. Yeah, he but I guess need... they'll, they'll shoot down the plane. I don't think they would. I think they would. If there were no hostages on, you'd, I'd shoot down the plane. Yeah, but you want duels to <laughs> Like, I feel like shooting down that plane. If that plane crashes and injures civilians... Yeah, but not if you do it over the... There's a lot of ocean between the continental United States and the Cayman Islands. Yeah, but then they're out of the dis- jurisdiction, aren't well, they? Well, not if they do it just over a bay. I don't know. I, I don't you could do f- it, man. You could do it. I don't or, see like, them shooting of bits down of, like, I don't know, Utah. Plane. Utah, where you could shoot them. I don't know where the Cayman Islands are. <laughs> Just realised. I'm, I'm, actually, I'm actually intrigued what direction you go from New Jersey to get to the Cayman Islands. Yeah, where are the Cayman Islands? I'm just confused. Spain? Like, I, I don't think the no, police like, like, have the right to like shoot down a plane. They're, like, oh, south, of, they're south of Cuba. Okay, yeah, so right. Okay, watching this plane going from New Jersey, you shoot them down around... Florida? Wherever that is. Yeah, Florida. Near Jacksonville. There's no rules in Florida. No, everything's fine. So I'm, I you know, don't think you can shoot just shoot down a plane like that. I've seen twenty four. It's Florida. It's Florida. You can oh. shoot down planes I... easy. Also, also, he's got a cop on the inside. He doesn't need. He doesn't need the hostages. He does to stop getting shot down. But the cop on the inside will stop him getting shot down. How? The cop is like, no, we can't shoot him down. Why? Why cop on the inside? Like, because he's the cop, they'll listen child. to him. He's Bobby what? Cannavale. Yeah, but, uh, but, uh, there'll be an investigation. Plus, Bobby Cannavale would have gone on the plane, surely. I don't think so. Mm. I think that was like a last minute like change of plan. Yeah, maybe. I wish he'd said, <laughs> when he reveals that he's the bad guy, I wish he'd said, and here's the craziest part. <laughs> I'm also I'm the, the bad the guy. <laughs> Uh, it's this movie's. Look at me! I'm the captain now. <laughs> oh god! It's a great film. I like the bit where they introduce the fact that he doesn't drink, even though that's not come up before. And it doesn't really come well, up. That again. was that was my other annoyance with the nacho scene. Is the nacho scene exists purely to have the two fat men eat food, and yeah. then to very inelegantly segue into him downing an entire pitcher of margarita so that he can be drunk and do some very bad drunk acting for about five minutes. I really like the bit where he tries to feed fruit to Eric Avari. <laughs> I laughed at that. It's good. Um, how long after his drunken night is, is the film supposed to take place? Two days. It's like he goes off, he gets hungover, goes home for Thanksgiving, and then the next day after that is Black Friday. Yes. And he's just wearing that tattoo, nothing covering it, two days later. It's a big tattoo. I mean, yes, and there's... his entire back. Yeah. There's not even like a hangover joke on Thanksgiving as well. Like you think, no. like part of the joke would be like, oh, he's having an absolute awful day because he's completely hungover from being drunk. Mm. But no. ah, well, I Guys, guess he. This movie stinks. <laughs> shut up! <laughs> shut up! I mean, yes, it's true, but also shut up. It made me like it's the fourth funniest film we've watched, Jack. <laughs> Is it? Allegedly. <laughs> that Citizen's Arrest joke is pretty good. Uh, do you want me to go through my laughs? Sure. Yeah, nice. Peanut butter, it just fills the cracks of the heart. Did not like that. It's good. Uh, <laughs> 0.5 laughs, the Segway video. 
Right. Uh, my, my notes is that the segue video goes on far too yeah, long, I, and it's only like it's only it's quite short, but it's just too long anyway. Did, did Kevin James learn how to ride the segue very well? I can't oh, tell. Because like some of the stuff he does is actually like when they're in the back of the of the mall and he's being chased by by Vexims, and like Vexims mm. is clearly very bad at it, but Kevin James is obviously like very skilled at moving that segue. And I'm just wondering, like, did he take like advanced courses to? Oh, he must have. This is his, like, you know, getting hench to play. It's, it's his Chris Pratt transformation to play Star-Lord. He learned yeah. how to drive a Segway. Do you know what looks really uncomfortable? Riding a Segway. With two people. Two people. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Two people riding a Segway. It looked so awkward. And again, there was just more energy from Jamie Mays. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah, big time. <laughs> this man grinding up against me from behind. But it's nice because they get to do the Titanic thing. I hated which, it. Yeah, it's awful. Uh, one laugh when the dog chases him because I forgot about it. I just thought it was going to be a nice bit of him driving to work and then I forgot that the dog just fucking runs out. It's good shit. Uh, 0.5 laugh. The kid throwing the ball at KJ's face and then him going, my lip is numb. It's good. Mm-hmm. 0.5 <laughs> laugh. Him meeting Vec and going, welcome to the show. Uh, zero point five left. Pop, <laughs> pop, <laughs> feeding through to Eric Abari. Uh Pop trying to kick back onto his feet um, when he I'm falls over to... on the dance floor and just landing full on his back. Also good. I might have been looking at my phone. Uh, one laugh when <laughs> when the bad guys come in and they see Alan Cover having like a sig break outside and they just kick the bucket out from underneath him. It's good stuff. Uh, Pob trying to help the robbers out of the mall thinks they're shoppers, they pull a gun on him and he goes, oh sweet mercy, and runs off That's a laugh <laughs> It is a laugh, a laugh. Uh, Pob emerging from the ball pit upright on his Segway, yeah. very yeah, good. That's good Everyone deserves a card on their birthday Is that is that funny? I think it goes back to what we were saying before about we didn't. I didn't realize that that was a storyline, and then he just turns, looks at some cards, and goes, "Everyone deserves a card on their birthday." (laughs) It's very funny. It's not. It's not funny. It's just Ben laughed. I I laughed at the idea of someone in the middle of it going like, "I'm going to bulk by birthday card." (laughs) I'm I'm just laughing at the idea that like Salem was like Kevin. We need to have (laughs) Sabrina getting a Christmas card. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we're nearly done. The bit where Pob passes out on the floor and he sees the lollipop and then it's all covered in fluff and he tries to blow a bit off. And That's the fluff very stays. sad. <laughs> it's extremely sad. That is blah at his lowest point. It is. But he bounces back. Uh, the delivery of, oh no, when the guy sees the gas next to the hair curler that then blows up the rainforest cafe. <laughs> I'll give you that. Really That's good. the funniest moment you've mentioned so far. <laughs> oh no! Um, the bad guy getting. <laughs> he doesn't like stop to like turn off the gas. <laughs> <laughs> Just explosions straight away. Uh, and finally, yeah, the bad guy getting hot, hot sauce in his eye is extremely funny. No last for Bahood. No. <laughs> Bahood is definitely um, <sighs> the closest this film comes to a controversial character. He's almost uh, more incelly than than Paul Blythe's. Yeah, but I, uh, the the implication is that he has fucked Erica Bari's daughter. Yes, but also feels incredibly possessive over her, 
to the point where he's like chasing after her and accuses Paul Blart of like sleeping with her in the mall. What does he say? He says something like she's like a drug, isn't she? <laughs> something <laughs> really weird Sorry, and horrible. I'm... Now that we've talked about this, I'm actually reminded of something that I didn't laugh at, but I did find funny. And I think if it was delivered better, it would have been funnier. Yeah. When they're asking uh, Maya for her phone, she says, I don't have a phone, I prefer written correspondence. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good joke. And that's what Paul, that's that what Paul says as well when he takes the phone off EJ. Yeah. Why does why does Blart not have a phone? Because he prefers written correspondence. But like, what is that like? Is that just written into the script as just a, as just a reason? Like, it's it's so. Bad. I think it's like it's, it's just... surely it's like vaguely early enough in the timeline of mobile phones that like two thousand nine is not. Early I, I mean, like, but we're like pre-smartphones at this point, and so like there are still conscientious objectors to like a phone. I yeah. I had my first iPhone in two thousand ten. Yeah, we're like so, we're just pre iPhone. But I feel like at that point everyone has a phone. We're still in it, like we haven't got three G, maybe. But you don't have like a smartphone, but everyone has. I mean, the movie makes a point of like everyone. Phone is, everyone the phone is like, like a Nokia covered in rhinestones. Yeah. Yes. 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 It's a good time. Because the, the film likes to emasculate Blart. Does that has the bit with the Hello Kitty band aid? <laughs> It's very tender the way he puts the band-aid on though. It's very nice. <laughs> I can see you really don't like this film, that's fine. No, it's not that I just don't but like I mean... this film. I, I think this film is actually pretty passable for the most part. Like I gave it a two out of five. It's not the worst thing we've covered. I just don't I know we do a podcast about it, but yeah. I just don't think there's enough to actually talk about in this movie. I just I, I think it's just pure sort of Sap. I think we can talk about two things that I have left. One, one, I find it amazing that Joe and Thingy Russo stole one of the most iconic scenes from Captain America the Winter Soldier from this film. The fight in the left. The fight in the left. Because <laughs> <laughs> there, there is a fight in the lift. Because there is a this. fight in the lift, and I'd never seen a fight in the lift before this film, and therefore I assume it came up with it. So, you know... The MCU has Kevin James to thank. Oddly um, enough, the first thing that I thought about during the fight in the lift was an episode of Tiny Toon Adventures, <laughs> in which baby Plucky Duck gets in a lift with a bad man and just likes to press buttons, which makes the bad man go up and down. That's fun. It's... Uh, actually, there's two more things. Uh, I really enjoy how Pob is really horrible and leering to Amy in the film and then when he goes up and sees her afterwards he doesn't apologize his whole speech is just like i'm a nice guy believe me i also hate his card for her at the end where he's just like i love you oh yeah what does it say <sighs> amy you're like a good meal you make me stuffed with feelings plus i don't need to unbutton my pants and then she immediately yeah. fucks him like that's horrible yeah and the fact that like he's told his mum and his daughter about her is yeah. really unsettling. Like he he is um he's Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker, really. Oh my god, can you imagine that film where <laughs> Pop is the Joker? <laughs> he is. No, but I mean that's no, like actually, if it ended that, that way. You know what that film is? Pop. <laughs> no. That film is a film that came out a few months after this. Oh film. yeah, no, it is <laughs> called 
Observe and Which Report. Which I yeah. also watched today in preparation for this. Oh, did, did you? you watch Observe I and watched Observe today? and Report today. When I texted you... Had you seen Observe I have never and Report? Seen yeah. Ben, I have not watched Observe and Report in a long time. I remember thinking it was hysterical. I Same. So I really enjoyed it. I think it's very rough around the edges. But it's got ideas. I think there are ideas that Jodie Hill has executed better in his TV shows afterwards in kind of combating toxic masculinity and stuff like that. I think it overreaches in some of the, like, rapey stuff that goes on between yes. him and Anna Paris. But in terms of, like, an idea of a rent-a-cop who, like, or, like, a mall cop who feels above his station and just wants nothing to do but, like, kill the bad guys, like, the moment where he shoots the, the flasher at the end is legitimately shocking and kind of disturbing <laughs> I remember at the time yeah. being like this is Seth Rogen's cable guy mm. like it's him playing a very sort of going against this sort of likeable character I'd quite like to rewatch Observe and Report actually yeah, I've just remembered I used to have Observe and Report on DVD and I got sent it by Charlie Line Charlie Lynn <laughs> Director of Beyond Clueless. <laughs> Director of Beyond Clueless. Because uh, I think it was some competition through Ultra Culture. And I don't have that DVD anymore, I don't think. I believe, really uh, I believe I have the HMV exclusive cover Ooh. of uh, Observe and Report. That's ben. exciting. Uh, thank, thank you for providing your business. <laughs> um, but no, but no I, I immediately went from Paul Blart into Observe and Report and I texted you, Jack. I, I purposely did not tell you the name of the movie that I was watching. And I said, I have laughed more in 10 minutes at this movie than I did the entirety <laughs> of Paul Blart. <laughs> and it was like, it, it, and it's night and day. And it's also bizarre to think how many things are very similar between the two movies. And when you watch them back to back, like, obviously tonally entirely different. But Observe and Report has a point of view that Paul Blart kind yeah. of lacks. Ben, do you enjoy that I sort of have a similar haircut to Ronnie Bernhardt <laughs> in uh, Observe and Report at the moment? <laughs> you do it. Because one of, one of my favourite things in that film is his haircut. <laughs> I remember finding it really funny. His, his haircut and Anna Faris's lips are two of the funniest parts of the, that movie. Anna Faris is, like, very game in that movie. She's having a lot of fun. Well, if you've listened to our House Bunny episode, you will know that we are huge Anna Faris fans. Big time. And think that she has been done dirty by the Hollywood system. She has. Yes. <laughs> um, she is good on Mum, yeah, though. Okay. It's just She's not on Mum not anymore. On anymore. <laughs> you think um, you do have the same haircut? <laughs> <laughs> I just went just look it up. Yeah, nice. When I go to the hairdressers, I ask them for the Ronnie Bernhardt, and they give it to me. God, this film is such a good cast. Michael Pena is doing the most bizarre accent in it, though. <laughs> yeah. Like, Michael Pena is having, like, a lisp and is pitching his voice up, like, two octaves. Yeah. And I forgot Jesse Plemons is in it. Same. Jesse Plemons, like, what, <laughs> middle of Friday Night Lights at this point? Just pre-Breaking Bad? Uh, yeah. It's so about this... four years before Breaking Bad, I think. Just... Oh, fuck. I, re I remember when um, Paul Blart came out, but I knew Observe and Report was coming, and I was so like, like fuck Blart, man, Observe and Report, <laughs> all the way. And uh, I stand by my feelings. I went to see Observe and Report at the cinema. Hmm. Uh, 
I need to rewatch this movie. Yeah, I, it was like, I, I was like, I feel like I have to do it to like rewatch or watch both of them back to back and see what the differences are, especially because. There was a, I think it, I don't know if it's quoted in the Observant Report Wikipedia or the Paul Blot Wikipedia, where Seth Rogen's like, at the time, he was like, yeah, we were sending photos from the sets to each other, and like, we were, it was very chill. No one was kind of like annoyed that the other movie was being made. And then apparently, two years ago, he did an interview where he was like, yeah, fuck them, they stole our script and like changed the script on the fly to include elements from our movie. And completely, completely steamrolled us at the box office. Shit. <laughs> Well, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just looking. I'm looking at Rogan expressed his anger that Paul Blart-Malkoff had gotten the script and ripped us off, even though they're very different movies. One way or another, I'm not thrilled with Paul Blart-Malkoff in relation to how Observe and Report was received. Yeah, that's fair enough. I remember, <laughs> yeah, when when it came out, Observe and Report. I hadn't seen Paul Blart at that point, but I was like, why the fuck would I want to watch that Paul Blart rip? <laughs> How stupid I was! What a fool! It's just funny, like, like the, the the similarities. Like, there are scenes in both movies with people on skateboards and bikes and stuff like that. And mm. a central point of both movies is the fact that someone steals the the, the car that's going to be a giveaway. Mm. Yeah. Things I, like just Shit. lots of random things. I understand a lot of it is like these things happen in shopping centers. Like, we had a car parked outside our shop in a shopping center for like two years. That would have been won by someone. But you, you watch them back to back, and it really does feel like they've got the same six ideas, except Jody Hill in Observer Report is trying to comment on like consumerism and stuff like that, whereas Paul Blart's like, "Yeah, let's get Rainforest Cafe in here to to pay for a yeah pay for some product placement." Don't they both have um, like? Am I right in thinking like uh, Celia Weston plays Seth Rogen's mom? Yes, she's a she's a drunk who like sleeps with all of his friends and stuff like that. I feel like. I feel like his mum and the mum in this are like kind of cut from the same cloth, like in just in the ways they look and the. Yeah, but that's just mu- yeah. But I think their characters are different. I guess so. Like quite, I don't know. I think... I think the fact that it is like just a guy living with a single mum sort of says something to me. I feel yeah. There's there's unfortunate similarities between these two movies. And... Well, not that unfortunate if they've been stolen. <laughs> <laughs> and I think. Uh... Yeah, I, I think because I remember Observant Report coming out and it got pretty smashed at the box office. Yeah, I mean it's a very different movie in the fact that it is like a hard R, and it's very dark at points. <laughs> yes, which this movie isn't. Yeah, I mean one movie ends with a naked man running through a shopping centre. It would be great if Blart <laughs> ran naked through the shopping centre at the end. So of this. good. <laughs> the ending to this movie is shit. <laughs> the ending where they're just like, "We'll give you your job," but the police officer and he's like, "I would prefer to stay a mall cop," and that <laughs> is the end of the movie. It does not end on a joke. He gets married. There's a sort of joke. I mean, it's not funny. Does he get married? Yeah, in the credits. They- oh my god, have we done? <gasps> You've done what I do. I didn't watch the credits. You didn't watch movie. the credits. There's a credit. No, because scene. I because Netflix cut it off and then asked me if I wanted to watch Little instead. Oh. Did you watch yeah, Little there's instead? A credit scene. I should have watched Little <laughs> instead. There's a credit scene where Pob and Thingy get married in the mall, and then is, is, they is dance. Is he on the Segway? Yeah, they do a dance on a Segway and. Fucking hell! But the worst thing about it is that so it starts off and the credits start going down the left hand side and the little screen comes in on the right. And then it fades out. And then the 
words come on the right hand side and then it comes back on the left hand side so it's like a post credit scene or a mid credit scene that's split but it's just the same thing happening twice wait so you're saying it's split does that mean that like bruce willis shows yeah, up bruce willis is the, and the... <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's very good um... yeah it's a nightmare um, uh, yeah, I didn't. I didn't stay for that. I'm sorry. They got married. I, it's the, fine. The weirdest yeah. part about it is the fact that you can see the next scene of it cut off in like the top corner. Like they start. Playing, they start playing the wedding dance as it's going up on the right, and then when it comes in on the oh yeah, they're just playing the same clip again. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> like they could Fuck. keep playing it on the right. They're like, no, we have to hard reset left hand side of the screen. <laughs> it's, it's so strange. Why would they do that anyway? Maybe I should go. We should go back and check it because maybe like one of the actors, one of their contractual obligations was like, I will only have my name appear on the right hand side of the screen. But someone else was like, I will only have my name appear on the left hand side of the screen. Well, because I had to watch the credits, because I had to ascertain whether or not there were nine people invading oh, before right, yeah, the names of the reindeer. Of course, IMDb couldn't help you. On I that. wanted to check because IMDb, like maybe they like two of the stunt people were just uncredited or something. I just wanted to like make absolute certain. Well, I can't believe I I missed out on some crazy credits. It's fine, yeah. I missed out on uh, the House Bunny. You missed out on this one. <laughs> That's right. You missed out on the musical sequence of mm, the House Bunny. Sad. So we've both got our crosses to bear. Oh, fuck. Is it's Where Sunday. Is yeah. Palm Sunday. Today. Happy Palms, everyone. <laughs> this will come out after Easter. <laughs> God, that was true. <laughs> um, I've just looked like I like that the IMDb's got a crazy credit section, but it's not explained what happens in it. It just says two additional scenes played during the closing credits. It's one additional scene twice. <laughs> two. two. <laughs> oh, okay, fine. Well, well, maybe if I'd seen the credit scene, that would have pushed it up to a three-star movie I don't for think me. It would have. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I guess the last thing I have to say is that I feel like the ending, um, the ending of the stuff in the mall feels really rushed. The scene where he's like lifting Jamal Mixon out of the mall, yeah, looked was so confusing. Yeah, that I, I was like, I feel they must have cut something here. No, they probably did because <laughs> it goes from the rainforest stuff to straight to that, and it was just like, what's happening? Well, everything um, blows up. I guess so. <laughs> I guess. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's a bad film. <laughs> Three stars. Huge of true. Uh, two stars. Yeah, no, I'm, 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 I mean, I'm the same as you, Jack. I, I gave it two stars. I think it's three just because I know that it's the origin story of the masterpiece <laughs> that is coming. Uh, I've, got, I, I, I've got the Blu-ray sitting on my shelf for Paul Wattmokov too, yes. so... Um, did it win any awards? Shit, I forgot to look at that. <laughs> How do you find awards? I could see if I have them. No, I'll do it. Oh, okay. Don't take my one job. <laughs> it's like that week. How have we got through this entire thing without talking about Stuart? Which one's Stuart? Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, the, the dickhead guy played by the guy from the league. Like, I mean, it, oh, it, that's it, who it's, he is. it's not a good role. It's just. He's he's the dickhead boyfriend from Die Hard. But. Yes. But worse. Yep, yep, yep. Well, I think I mentioned when the, the poor Jamer Mays is just courted by the two worst men of them all. 
I can't remember if I said that on mic or off mic. Well, um, apparently, apparently, I was looking at some trivia earlier. Apparently, there was a scene... Oh, originally, there was going to be a scene near the end of the film in which Amy would escape from Vec by stabbing him in the leg with the pen she received from Stuart. This was ultimately cut as it was too violent. Which would have at least tied something together. But that, that feels like a thing that we were complaining about, where like there's so many like things they introduce, like the, the hot sauce or the phones and stuff like that, where like the ultimate payoff is just kind of a shrug. And like it's just done. Yeah. Like they've done it and they've almost forgotten to make a point of it and it's like it happened. Yeah. <laughs> they were like, Does this pay off? No. All fine. Um so we wanna talk awards. Oh, Sorry, Jack, just to go back, the score, the opening credit score is Con Air. Oh, it's Con Air. Con Air, oh, not, Apologies, I thought it was Face Off. So. Um, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Um, do you want to talk awards? Fuck yeah. Okay, so, um, I feel like we talked about this award recently. This was nominated at the Alliance of Women Film Journalists. Ooh. And uh, this was nominated for Most Egregious Age Difference Between the Leading Man and the Love Interest. Oh, yes. I remember we, we brought this up on the House Bunny episode. Ben Kingsley. Not in the House Bunny in a different thing. <laughs> um, so this was nominated for The Age Difference Between Kevin James and Jamer Mays, which I'm not... Can anyone check that for me? Uh, Kevin James was born in 1965. Jamer Mays was born in 1979. So 14 years. Okay, so 14 it's 14 years. years. Fourteen years—it's a pretty, pretty big one. The the uh, other nominee in this was Crazy Heart for Jeff Bridges and Maggie Gyllenhaal, but, but the winner, um, and this really should be called the Woody Allen Award for Most Egregious Age Difference Between Leading Man uh, and Love Interest. The winner was Whatever Works for Larry David and Evan Rachel Wood. Oh God, I forgot about that. I think I saw that at the cinema. Wow, well, you must have had to search that one. <laughs> So, is this award just given to the, the biggest age gap? Is it more like a ranking system? Like, I think the, it's given to the biggest age gap. Here are the top five, and we'll give it to the whoever is the most egregious. Mm. Top three. Okay. Um, also, just to mention, Observe and Report was nominated at the Alliance of Women Film Journalists for the Hall of Shame Award. I, I, I did look up the IMDb scores for the movie, and there is a very stark difference between scores from men and women on IMDb for, mm. for Observe and yeah. Report. I can see that. Um, the winner of that award was The Ugly Truth. Um, oh. It was nominated at the Teen Choice Awards. Fuck yeah! Many of these movies seem to be. It was nominated for Choice Movie Comedy. Damn right it was. Um, do we want to guess the uh, the other nominees and winner? Um, I can't, can you repeat all the films that came out this year? No. Um, <laughs> yeah. um, so the Night at the Museum won. Night at the Museum won. Yes, it won the award. Uh, the other nominees one is a comedy from two thousand nine that spawned two sequels. Probably one of the biggest Funny comedy hits Hangover. of The Hangover. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got uh, Fuck. Uh, one is a popular comedian in a. TV adaptation, a high concept TV adaptation. Is it Get Smart again? It's not Get Smart. Um, the film doesn't really exist. Uh, it's from the director. How is that of supposed Casper. to help me, Jack? Is it Bruno? <laughs> it 
it's not. It's from the director of Casper. What else has the director of Casper directed? Lemony Snicket, A Series of Unfortunate Events. Is it Lemony Snicket's A Series no, of Unfortunate Events? Um, um, it's an adaptation of a TV show. It's got like one big comedy star, one oh, comedy oh, star who's on the oh, rise. Oh, is it Land of the Lost? It's Land of the Lost. The fuck's Land of the Lost? It's Will Ferrell <laughs> in like an adaptation of famed 70s TV show Land of the Lost. It was written as an R-rated comedy and sort of got turned into a PG comedy in the edit. So like Sco- Scooby-Doo. Oh. More like, I think it's Scooby-Doo got rewritten okay. into a PG movie. This was edited into a movie oh, that wow. is not. Um, and then finally, uh, one of the biggest comedy stars of the time doing essentially a remake of a previous film he'd done. Yes, man. Uh, we talk- yes, yes, man. Oh, <laughs> a real uh, shrug of a movie. Mm. <laughs> I feel like that's a lot of shrugs of movies. Land of the Lost, Paul Blart, Cop Two, and Yes, man. Two thousand and nine was a shit. Year. I'm just trying to think like what comedies are like from two thousand nine. Like I like In the Loop. I like In, in the, the Loop. loop. I mean, like, is that two thousand nine? That's two thousand nine. Um, I like funny. Is Bone the Rock two thousand nine? I've never seen the Bone of Like, I'm not saying it's like a masterpiece or anything, but it's definitely better than a lot of the things that we're mentioning. Could be. I mean, I don't, I don't hate "I Love You, Man." I don't really like it either. But um, I, mean, I, I saw, really fan, I saw fanboys in cinemas in 2009. That is a my god! You must have had to search that one out. Oh, Adventureland! That's a film. <laughs> I liked that when I was young. I liked Adventureland. Um. Well, you've got one more award. Oh, yeah. Uh, the award that I always think is a very dangerous one to win. It's the uh, <gasps> Young Artist Award. Young Artist. <laughs> um, was that? I think this is quite proof that this is a dangerous award to win. Because the two the two winners for supporting Young Actress are Jessica Carlson for Cirque de Freak, the Vampire's Assistant. Oh, yes. And uh, Sofia Vasileva for My Sister's Keeper. Mm. The people who didn't win this award. Chloe Grace Moretz for 500 Days of Summer. (laughs) Ivana Lynch for Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. And uh, Kiernan Shipka for Carriers. Fucking hell, alright. And Brandy Rodriguez for Paul Blart. I like three of those nominations. That's insane. (laughs) That they've been given to one of the one of the three. I mean, obviously, Ivana Lynch hasn't done much of, outside of Harry Potter, but I feel like she's still in the public consciousness. Has she got a yeah. blog or something? Is that what she does? <laughs> I'm sure she has something. She's uh, she's friends with my friend who's married to Hugh Hefner's son. Oh, okay. Because they were both in Harry Potter together. Right. Who's your friend? Scarlet Byrne. I say friend. I just, she went to college with me. Oh, okay. Still, and we had still some pal. classes together. Yeah, Your pal. Yeah, my good friend Scarlett. You'd say, you'd say hi in the street. <laughs> I'd say hi. You think I'm just somebody? You go. Who are you? No. Um. Yeah. Uh, I just I, that that whole young artist award i feel like there's something like you can probably pay to win that award you can buy your child a young artist award. <gasps> do you think there's a there's a netflix documentary in that <laughs> like you know people who pay off the judges 
you know, I don't do you reckon know. Felicity Huffman's done it? I, I would like to, yeah. I mean, make it about the Golden Globes. That one's like completely factual. Mm. I'm just every time we get to the young artist or like what was it last week it was just some kid who ran around asking for like sweets yeah it was it wasn't even <laughs> one of the main two kids from bedtime stories it was a random guy at one of the parties who, who got nominated brilliant uh it's a really really it really makes me laugh this award um it's all good and yeah that's uh that's all the awards that paul Bar it managed to avoid any razzies so you know, good on that. It's because it's so insignificant. Was there was there <laughs> just... another worse Madison movie that came out that year that like took all the hit for funny it? people? Yeah, funny people's the other one. Um, I think is there another one from two thousand nine? What's after funny? Oh, the shortcut nobody has ever seen. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> and then yeah, that's it. We just it's a it's free free movies. Mm. <laughs> one of which doesn't what, exist. What were the Brazzies in two thousand nine? I am soon New Moon. Oh, they oh Transformers: Revenge of the Fallen, one worst picture. Oh, so New Moon was two thousand eight, actually, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, they're on they're on like man. a uh, on a big kick against like Transformers, the Jonas Brothers, Hannah Montana, GI <laughs> Joe. They're having a lot of fun. Mm. What a horrible, horrible thing. Um, yeah, that's that's the awards for it. Uh. Before we get into, um, what was I going to say? MVP, LVP. Before we get into MVP, LVP. Ben, did you say that there was like some plagiarism? Yeah, in this I one? don't know if it's true or not, but I was like, because I got on the Observer Report kick, I was like looking around to see if I could find any more like credible things about it, and I found an article from IndieWire in two thousand nine that accused this movie of having the script wholesale stolen from um, a man named Alfred Thomas Catelfo. Um, where apparently they changed the name of the main character from Art to Blart. Um, and I, I, I... What?! <laughs> no idea if this is credible or not, but this is still on IndieWire. Um, apparently, like, the movie was just called Untitled Kevin James Project for months on end because, like, they didn't want to get in trouble for it and then Universal had to, like, pay some hush money or something to, like, shut Whoa. the person up. Sony. Sony, sorry. Sony. <laughs> Um, Jesus Christ! Also, Paul Art is a shit name. That person deserved their work plagiarized for. <laughs> I should say, like the be I think the best thing about this film is the title. Paul Blart Moorcup. You know exactly who yeah. he is. You know. Well, I mean, it's it goes back to Juice Bigelow, Male Gigolo. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's a good title. It, it except Paul Blart. It, it feels like Paul Blart should rhyme with Moorcup. It does. It has a good. Try saying Paul Blart without saying Morecop. I dare you. It runs in the same way the that Hatsby runs with Catsby. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. It's nice, to, it's nice to have a guest on who's listened. <laughs> uh, which means, Ben, that you should know that at the end of every episode we pick an MVP of the film and an LVP of the film. Do you have an MVP or an I, MVP? I have both an MVP and an LVP. All right, let's hear. Let's hear your. MVP. My MVP is just the stunt crew in general, just because it's like they got paid to come in and do this movie. Like, I'm not saying it's good stunts or add anything to the movie, but I'm like, these are people who are good at what they do, and they're, they're the stunts are all get, right, like getting yeah. they're getting paid to jump through lifts and do BMX tricks and skateboards and stuff like that, and like fair and enough. to inspire America's ass. <laughs> and like, fair enough, you've been paid. Thank you for your service. Nice, <laughs> good choice. 
Uh, Josh, do you have an MVP? Uh, mine I is also like one. Huh? Oh, I thought I was going to be able to guess that your MVP was Kevin James. No, it wasn't actually. No, because I thought about it. It was going to be KJ. But then, do you know what? I don't think... I've seen this film four times. I thought I knew everything about it, but I had never picked up one of the stuntmen's the reaction when he goes, Oh no! <laughs> and that just made me laugh so much that he is, he's the star of this fucking film. I don't know who he is. I can't remember which one he's playing. Is he playing Rudolph? I don't no, know. No, Rudolph's the one in the ball pit. No. Rudolph's uh, the one with the blonde hair. He's the one who looks like an actual diehard. Guy. Yeah, the, the long haired one whose name I can't remember. Is it Com- Cupid? It might, no, Cupid? Cupid? No, Cupid's the one who gets hit with a hockey stick. Is it? Wow. <laughs> you know that. Oh, okay, it's Donna. I spent a lot of He's time looking at these goddamn names. <laughs> Is one of Santa's reindeer called Cupid? Yeah. Yes. Oh. Have you not seen Jingle All the Way? Yeah, I have. Dancer, Prancer, Donna, Vixen, It's good fun. Have you seen the movie Prancer? About Prancer, the reindeer? No. Okay. Uh, so yeah, it's Victor Lopez as Donna, just for that. Oh no! <laughs> and then getting killed. Has, Is he the only one who dies? Other credits. Huh? He's in, Is he good? He, Does I, he die? I think he's he, Vin Diesel's he stunts runs away. Uh, he does stunts in Fast and Furious Seven, and so it would not surprise Fuck, me yeah. if he was Vin Diesel's stunt double. Oh, he must be. That's so nice. Um, um, yeah, I mean, you would die if you were next to a gas explosion that takes out like the side of a mall. But he runs away from it. All right. Well, I'm calling bullshit. <laughs> he I might be alive. I think it's a ghost. A long... He might be back for Paul Blart 3. No. No one comes back for Paul Blart. <laughs> oh, maybe he will. Uh, when it, Yeah, if it goes back to his roots. Paul Blart 3, Blart off. Yeah, oh, yeah. Which is like a face-off movie Paul where Blart. him and Keir O'Donnell have to swap faces. No, it's Paul Blart with a vengeance and it's Beck's brother comes back. <laughs> Which non-entity actor could play Vex Breath? Liam Neeson. Um, my MVP is uh, Stephen Ranazisi as Stuart, <laughs> which is why I had mentioned Stuart throughout this, is because um, I think, you know, he does what he's supposed to do. He plays a dick. And I was just like, you know what? He's a dick in this movie. He, he works well. I like him. I, I like the idea of a pen salesman. That seems like the worst job in the world. He's got cheeky fountains. <laughs> it probably yeah, would maybe. earn a lot of money, knowing how much people pay for fountain pens and stuff like that. True. Maybe. I feel like that's more of an English thing. I mean, potentially. What, Parkers? I don't know if like Americans care about pens. <laughs> Sorry to our American listeners. Yeah, I feel like what you're really saying your is. Pens. I feel like what you're really saying is you don't think Americans can write. <laughs> What, what I'm really saying, saying is that I just don't think American football is a thing like football is <laughs> It's not. It's not. And I will have a te- I will have a half hour argument that we then cut out about this. Uh, God. Yeah. Ten yeah, years into Steve- these films and we're getting very reflective on our on our own on our own comments. Stephen Renazisi. Yeah. Good work. Like he just he, he he does what he's asked to do and I think he's probably the most effective person at doing it within mm. the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I won't agree cuz 
I don't think he could have pulled off. Oh no! <laughs> in the same way, <laughs> but still. I don't. I'm not saying that he should have played that part. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like I'm just like he's so good. He should play all the roles. I'd love to see that. He's film. just very good in what he does. Yeah, um, fine. Ben, do you have an LVP? Uh, my LVP is Dean Carmen, the inventor of the Segway. <laughs> I was going to ask this earlier. Is it is the the urban legend about him true? I think he so. Riding a no, segway? he's sixty nine years old and uh, still alive. Oh. oh, oh. Then the urban legend is not true. <laughs> segway dead. <laughs> Man, are you googling that or are you just saying words? Yeah, no, I am googling. <laughs> Segway dead man. I don't know. I don't. Well, yeah, a man did die, but I don't think it's in the... a man did die. I don't. <laughs> a man did die who was a millionaire, but I don't think he was the inventor of the segue. I I have to read this from his Wikipedia page. In 2007, his residence was a hexagonal shed-style mansion he dubbed Westwind, located in Bedford, New Hampshire, just outside of Manchester. The house has at least four different levels and is very eclectically conceived, with such things as hallways resembling mine shafts, 1960s novelty furniture, a collection of vintage wheelchairs, spiral staircases, at least one secret passage, an observation tower, a fully equipped machine shop, and a huge cast-iron steam engine which once belonged to Henry Ford. He's got a lot of taste. <laughs> Sounds like a good guy. Sam, he's your LVP. (laughs) Josh, who's your LVP? Um, Oh, I had this a second. Oh, yeah, no, I know. It's Bonnie... It's Bobby Cannavale's agent. Because I love Bobby Cannavale. Where is Bobby Cannavale in his career at this point? I feel like he's just on on Cupid. Which got cancelled. I think you might be right. Um, Movie-wise, he was in the promotion the year before with John C. Riley and uh, Sean William Scott. Um, Cupid was 2009, so same year. So he's probably doing Cupid back-to-back with this. Mm. Apparently Bobby Cannavale is the voice of Spike in the Tom and Jerry movie that just came out. Whoa! Oh, I need to rent that. I feel like Bobby Cannavale doesn't start popping in bigger things until he does Boardwalk Empire. In a couple of years after this, yeah, but yeah, I guess that's the thing. Is up until this point, I've seen him in things like um, the Station Agent, and those Sex and the City yeah. movie, and other things. Where uh, he's in, he plays essentially a very similar role in Snakes on a Plane. What does he? In, which is three years before this. Um, where he's not, he's not got the twist, but he is just a cop who is on the outside. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. Like this is. Bobby Cannavale is someone who I don't think has ever really, outside of like Boardwalk Empire and Vinyl, has never really had like his big shot. No, um, he wins. He wins the Emmy for Boardwalk Empire, which gets him on the Martin Scorsese short shortlist for Vinyl. He's obviously like a notorious bomb, and since yeah. then it feels like he's been bumming around. Like he's fun in his season of Master of None. Um, He's he's always very good. Like, I'm just looking at his film career, and you've got like the year after this, he's in the other guys as one of the other cops. He's in Win Win. I really he's love in Win Win, which is really good. He is in Blue Jasmine, which you know Woody Allen sure, but he is good in it. Yeah. He's in Chef. He is the baddie in the Annie remake. Yeah. He's kind of wasted in Spy, which is otherwise a good movie. <laughs> 
he's sort of wasted in Ant Man. Mm. Ant Man is he's fine in Ant Man. I, I he doesn't doesn't really have no, but it's more like we can get some famous people to fill out like eight and nine on the call sheet with with him and Judy Greer. I'd rather he's actually doing something. <laughs> like like anyone could really play sure. that role. He's in Jumanji. Um, well, he anyone could play that role in Jumanji. <laughs> yeah, but he plays the fuck out of it. But anyway, yeah, love him like, and just think he's done dirty by this film. He has what three scenes? Oh, that's it. Um, and it's and it's yeah. shit. It is. It is. <laughs> he was very nearly my uh, LVP. Oh, really? What Bobby himself yeah. or the agent? Um, well, but I was Bobby Cannavale was going to be like my LVP of just being like wasted, mm. a waste of Bobby Cannavale. But it didn't didn't happen because my LVP. My LVP is Kiro. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> For just, <laughs> I think if you're gonna again, this has come up a lot on this podcast. If you're gonna be a bad guy in one of these movies, you kind of need to make an impact. And Kira O'Donnell is such a charisma vacuum throughout the <laughs> whole thing. In fact, you know, I think he's better before he turns into the villain as just this sort of like awkward new security he guy. Yeah. thing as well. Yeah, he barely says anything, but he's like, it's weird. I think that he like defends Paul Blart at like the bar. Mm. Like, like I, it doesn't play into him being the villain later. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, hey, look, craziest part is he's the, <laughs> um, the only part the crazy that comes just... back is the fact that he has the kind of antagonistic thing with Stuart. Is the only part that's he has the antagonistic thing with Stuart, and then like he he also like taunts Blart on the phone from like stuff that Blart had said like he just says that like the thing about like you put your hand on your hip on the gun that we both know you don't have yeah and it's like so I guess it's just okay, gaining yeah, trust I, 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 who's Blart <laughs> but Blart does it matter if Blart trusts so him? that he can reveal the secrets what secrets the hip thing but I want the, See, the, the hip thing would be fun if he stole a gun off one of the off one of the other guards and then had a gun that he could do in like mm. something. Like it genuinely makes no sense that he was an inside man. He, he had to learn the security nothing. stuff. I don't think he he was also yeah, there for he, two no, he days. Watched, they, they said he watches on the camera to see what the code for that day is, so they can put the code uh... into all the other chip and pin devices across them all. I don't understand how that works. Having worked with like those devices, they have no actual connection to like bank stuff. It just puts money into an account somewhere far away. Mm. Yeah, it's yeah, it's very strange. Well, maybe they updated that system post Paul Blart because <laughs> this film exposed all the um all the I shortcomings. No, I was working in, I was working with these card machines at this point. Yeah, post Blart. They must have written Blart. the script and then they alerted everyone. But I was working with them during this point, and we weren't doing. No, that's this. what I'm saying. But the script has been off on the shelf for a while. Oh, the script has been on the shelf for a while, and so the the script itself, <laughs> yeah, not the film. No, the script. <laughs> the concept. Hollywood had to alert the financial. Yeah, oh, guys, world. I don't know if you know, but if people insert a code into a chip and pin machine, they can steal all the money in the world <laughs> that they want. Um, yeah, I just I thought Kira O'Donnell was just a really shitty bad guy. And it's like when you think of like sort of diehard riffs, you think of obviously you've got Alan Rickman in Die Hard. You think of Dennis Hopper in Speed. Well, you're you just... think of uh, 
you think of fucking Gary Oldman and Air Force One, mm. and like obviously it's not going to be something like that. But you need, you needed an actor. I think that's what they not Kira. Isn't that Dawn. what they tried to do with Bobby Cannavale though? And like obviously he doesn't have enough time to be that villain, but it feels like they hired Bobby Cannavale to fill in that role. I think you need you need you need an and credit here. You need somebody who is actually going to feel like an imposing threat. You need someone like I don't know. You need what's his name from uh, Deuce Bigelow, Mel Gigolo. You need like William Forsyth. Oh <laughs> shit! Is an, well, you, uh, need, like, you need like you need, William. You need Fickner. a real act. Yeah, you need like yeah, William Fickner would have fucking been the boss in this. Like who's it? It's what's his face from Desperate Housewives and Street Fighter: The Legend of Chun Li in, in Paul Blart too. Um, and oh, Neil and from, uh, yeah, from Captain America, Dum Dum Duggan. Yeah. Um, like, uh, yeah, you know, that that's the type of person who you kind of need to be the bad guy. Is. That's the only thing I feel like Paul Blart 2 might improve on. <laughs> he is great, but that's for another day. Beautiful, um, extraordinary eyes. It's just, yeah, it's Kira Donnell is a bit, it's just shit throughout this whole movie. Sorry, Kira. I've only seen you in this in Wedding Crashes, and you suck in both. <laughs> what a legacy. <laughs> Hmm. And that's it. That's my that's uh, my LVP. That's our MVP. That's our LVP. And that's our episode on Paul Blart More Cop. We did it. Josh, do you think we did your favorite film justice? This isn't my fave. <laughs> it's your favorite film so far. No. <laughs> Sadly, not. It's still, anger management. No. You know what still my Mr. number Deeds. one is. Still, strange world. The house bunny, baby. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, it's it's going to stay there. Nothing will eclipse it, which is really sad because now I know that I've hit the apex. There's no only oh. ways down. This sounds like some funny Next people erasure. Yeah. Well, like, I've seen it. I don't it's... remember being blown away, so we'll see. Five stars. <laughs> to my box. We'll see what happens. <laughs> That's two stars more than I've given any of these movies. <laughs> um. Ben, thank you so much for joining us this no, week. No, no worries. It's been an absolute pleasure to spend six hours of my weekend <laughs> <laughs> on mall-related activities. Yeah. Fuck off, Ben. What else were you doing? Uh, I, I actually had book club today. I had to spend two hours of book club. Oh, well. All right. <laughs> Fancy um, boy uh, can read. Not just the movies. <laughs> Was your book club on the uh, junior novelization of Paul Bell? Alas, no, it wasn't. I didn't realize such a thing existed. Can you gift it to me, Jack Rexon? Well, your birthday's coming it up. It doesn't exist. I'm very annoyed that what I wanted to get you for your birthday is not available. Oh, what was it? Or is this? I was, I was going to get you um, uh, what I put up on my Instagram earlier today. Uh, Bugs and Friends Sing the Beatles <laughs> <laughs> on CD. But I cannot, I cannot find a a version that will not cost me twenty five pounds in shipping. Oh God! And I'm like, <laughs> there isn't a Paul uh, novelization. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I strongly encourage you, listeners and Ben, to go onto YouTube and listen to Bugs and Daffy sing "Hello." Which which life. voice actors is it for the for Bugs Bunny? <laughs> I, I, for Bugs Bunny, I have no idea because I tell you what, it doesn't sound like any Bugs Bunny I've ever heard before. <laughs> oh my god. Please listen to <laughs> the Hello Goodbye duet because it is just Daffy saying, 
I say hello, and you say goodbye. And then someone doing this Bugs Bunny voice going, Hello, hello! <laughs> it's really bad. <laughs> I love it. I wanted to get it for you for your birthday so badly. Um, that and also uh, Bugs and Friends sing Elvis. Uh, <laughs> but that is for another thing. Ben, is there anything you'd like to um, on, on Not. I mean, coming in July, we'll be coming back to the movies, obviously. Um, no idea what it'll be. I think we're also going to do two wrap-up episodes on uh, the 2000s and the 2010s, which would be me and Matt, my co-host, discussing kind of five movies that fell off for whatever reason. Um, just kind of like good things that I wasn't allowed to discuss. So like Mad Max Fear Road will be discussed in that because Matt hates that movie. Um, wow. Hate he hates it with a passion. Uh, so basically I was like, I'm not doing a two-hour episode on it, but if I get like a three-minute soapbox to, to talk about how good Mad Max is, then, then I will accept it. Uh, but he loves Zombieland? Uh, he... He loves Adventureland. Adventureland is like one of his favorite movies ever. Oh, I thought because like, I know you guys were going to do an episode. Zombieland was Zombieland is another one. He's he had a big hard on for Jesse Eisenberg in like that corridor of time. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, that would be coming up in July. Um, I'm not sure what else we're doing. Um, uh, our OG podcast series, Marvelous Adventures, will come back at or Marvelous Journey will come back as soon as Phase 4 ends for the Marvel Universe, I'm already stressed out thinking about how we're going to cover these goddamn Disney Plus shows, because it's too much content. And Falcon and Winter Soldier is not great after two episodes. I would have guessed doing a TV show about a character who is boring would be a bad idea. What is your vendetta against bisexual icons, Jack? First Bucky, the mummy, <laughs> God, Jack, just, just never ending with you. The mummy? He hates the mummy. What? <laughs> I don't think The Mummy is a very good movie. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> what about the Benbridge Scholars, Jack? What about Imhotep? Oh, uh, Oded Fair. Oded Fair? Who you, Great guy. Who's, who's whose name you couldn't remember before. Well, I didn't know it before, and now I know it. Just like um, how I remembered about, Eric Avari's name. What about Ahmed Jalili? I love Ahmed Jalili. Met him. Lovely guy. Ben, uh, is there any social? Uh, yeah, I've got my own personal social. It's N-Q-U-O-I. You've got your own. I do have my own personal social. Your own. Personal. Social. Someone to see your tweets. N-Q-U-O-I-D. It runs with Gatsby. Fuck you! Jack's just doing the like the hands up high five dance that they do in all of the Happy Madison films when people do that something sassy. From, from Little Nicky when the, the where the guy is like, oh, I'm a sinner, and he's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't know whether or not I was going to go with a word that vaguely rhymes with my my social media handle, and then I was like, no, OID is like it rhymes with a lot of things, and so it's not like the kind of tenuous rhyme between Gatsby and Hapsby. Come on. <laughs> Oh, one day, one day we'll have uh, a guest on here who respects me. It's <laughs> <laughs> not today. Oh, yeah. uh, so, All right, that's, fine. that's my social. Uh, not much happens there. I'm on Letterboxd for the same. Uh, that's probably more interesting. Uh, this was today. I watched my 120th film of the year for this Ooh. podcast. So yeah, that is that is a thing that happened. Wait, so it was your 120th Paul Blart and your 121st was no 120th was Observer Report. 119th was Paul Blart. Okay. 
So you didn't really watch the Observant Report for this podcast because we didn't ask. No, but I, I've, like, <laughs> there's a hyperlink to one your page. So I'm like, I'm just going to go do this. Yeah, but like, I watched Mean Machine and you didn't. And that still haunts me. There's a lot of Mean, there's a lot of mean Machine discussion on that episode as well. More than <laughs> discussion on this episode. There's a lot of the original Mr. Deeds discussion on the Mr. Deeds episode. Mm, maybe. Yeah, but you didn't watch that. No, I didn't, know. Um, Fantastic. Well, Jack, where can you people I'm, find I'm, you? I'm Jack Gregson. You can find me wherever you find Jack Gregson's at your local supermarket. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can find me at JFG in Digital 3D across Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd. Um, I think I'm at Jack Gregson on TikTok. Mm. Um, so... You can find me on there. I'm, I've got some stuff that I want to do on TikTok at the moment that I'm uh, getting ready to do. Nice. Yeah, going to launch my new career as a TikToker. I, I'm 100% behind you, buddy. Uh, um, Josh Pappenheim, where can people oh, me. find you? <laughs> well, my name is Josh Pappenheim. You can find me on Twitter, Letterboxd, TikTok, um, Hinge, OnlyFans, at P-A-P-S-B-Y at P-A-P-S-B-Y that's at Papsby it rhymes with Don's Plum and as always if you want to find the podcast <laughs> such a good obscure <laughs> do you know how much I wanted to watch Don's Plum as a teenager I still want to watch it since you told me about oh. it last year no it wasn't last year it's, it's nearly two years ago since we went to Thorpe Park Jack sad um, that was the first time I ever heard about that film uh, yeah, I don't remember why it came up. I can't remember either. But anyway, um, yeah, if you want to follow the podcast, you can follow. Find us at True Hap Mad on Twitter and Instagram. Um, and yeah, if you've enjoyed what you've heard, tell a friend. Tell a friend about all the fun time you've had, and also, if possible, uh, leave us a rating and a review. Five stars would be nice. Some words to that effect. Saying six stars would be better. six stars would be better. Yeah, but I don't know if iTunes have instituted that yet even though they should give us an extra category and if you fancy it you can send us an email uh, some written correspondence at uh, truehatmad at gmail.com uh, what is our film is our film next week funny it's people funny people fuck alright yeah <laughs> um, I quickly just remembered uh, just shout out to Jackie Sandler in this movie. oh yeah Jackie was there <laughs> she was there that was nice and as always... Oh no! <laughs> <laughs>